0: Please listen carefully.
1: Okay, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready. We're gonna
0: do this. Go. Hey everybody, this is everyone and their sister. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. Uh, And
2: in episode six, we are talking about true crime. So we're going to talk about our favorite books, TV shows, and movies that are inspired by or completely based on true murder or mostly murder stories.
0: The murderous (laughs) smile that just happened right now. We should take a picture of that and share it with this episode because absolutely, if one of us was going to murder someone... Actually, and no, get away like, with it, it would be. Yeah, hard. and get away with it, it would be not. I Didn't mean, we
2: bond over murder? I feel like that's how our friendship that, grew. That is exactly how it grew. You recommended the podcast MFM, my, my favorite, favorite murder. murder. Oh, really?
0: You started that? Well, at least yeah, you know. it, was, it
2: was all me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone <laughs> owes it to me. We all owe you stuff for this bounty. That we've been blessed with. You've been blessed. I've been blessed. Welcome. It's been great. It's been a good feeding of my murder. <laughs> <laughs> my murder. Love. I don't know if it's a okay, love okay. murder. This is what I will say. The reason
1: I like true crime stories or because it is the best story out there. That's actual fact. It's better than a book. Yeah.
2: There's intrigue. You there's get always the backstory The
1: drama is the murder. How it ends is the conclusion. Like it's the best story. And
2: sometimes it doesn't end properly, so it's fucked up and <sighs> it stays with you for the rest of your life. Is it? Because
0: exactly. like I like true crime. I find it very interesting as long as it's like written well or it's like portrayed well however whether it's documentary or whatever but the worst thing in the world but also part of what makes it so entertaining is when you don't know the answer because hey yeah. there are some mysteries that are never going to be solved like at the end of the day we're never going to know who certain people were it's just not ever going to happen but And you knowing... sit there and you're like
2: it could be this person exactly. it could be this per- or is it the most straightforward answer and then you're like what yeah. the fuck my least favorite thing but i have been getting more into are missing missing persons, persons that Ugh. have actually <laughs> never been found and th- those ones bother me the most because i'm like are they just living happy somewhere uh, they, just they probably away. are or do they even know who they are and they've like had a totally completely different like lifestyle once, since they were like a baby did you follow post secrets do no. you guys know what that oh, is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know what it is. So oh, my God. High school. There was school? the best post-secret was
1: someone's, like, on 9-11, I faked to my own death and then started a new life somewhere <gasps> else. And I was like, holy, holy shit. Holy shit. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Also, genius.
2: Yeah. Like, he saw wait, an opportunity wait, wait and to he, took a it. <laughs> he took it. tragedy. He took that opportunity. That is
0: interesting. Very interesting. Well,
2: you know what? True crime is, like, the most popular thing right now.
0: It is, which is why I I argue that this is us already jumping the shark six episodes in. We're pandering. That's the word I was looking for. Yes, we're pandering to we, the audience.
2: We are pandering to ourselves as well.
0: That that as well because we love it too much.
2: It's surprising how much true crime I haven't indulged in. It's more like it's always like Wikipedia or like Yeah. A quick search and like or what a podcast. This is. Like I can listen to Case File for like nine hours yeah. straight. Yeah.
0: See Fair, I only found a book an easy mm-hmm. choice because I haven't actually read that many of them, even though yeah. I do enjoy true crime books. But my issue is so many of them are written very dry. Yeah. And you're like, I'm issue. sorry, I know that like this is a very serious thing, but I need you to hype up the drama for me, please. Yeah.
2: Like make it a little bit add a little bit of,
0: a little bit, right? a little something. I <laughs> don't just give me the facts of the case no i want to know yeah. some useless information about their childhood that i can be like mm, yes i understand that's why they were so fucked up like that's what i need yeah.
2: or or enrage me give me some Ooh, yes give me some like feminist crazy paragraph to start off and be like yeah i'm really fucking pissed about this right now yes give Ooh, me something give me some good. material Need some fuel. Okay, I'm gonna start because
1: it's taking what both you just said and that's my first (laughs) So (laughs) exciting. So perfect. The ending for this crime story, there is no ending. No I don't know how it ends. Oh. So I couldn't pick a book. But I picked a podcast instead. This is not... First of all, <laughs> because, let's be clear. Uh,
0: I am breaking the rules. <laughs> couldn't pick a book. Not that different for Steph, at least. <laughs> but normally she sticks with the print and picks an author. In this case, no podcast. No, I picked a podcast. And
1: I'm justifying it. It's like an audiobook. They're telling me a story. <laughs> That's true. Through
2: verbal... The verbal cues. Sure, you words. Know what? There's so much drama, especially when they're solving it as you go. I love that. So,
1: the podcast that I picked... Bated breath, I'm waiting. I know everyone's waiting for it. It's serial season one. Oh yeah, serial yeah. Season
2: was great. I you seem unimpressed, surprised. underwhelmed with that one because that is pandering.
0: <laughs> Ooh. At least I was accusing the group. You just called out one person. I love it. Listen, I love it. I can't listen. always be at the center I gotta center justify
1: of my choice right now. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I'm picking serial because this was the first. So I've like always been interested in murder stories, but this was the one that. Made me go
2: full speed
1: ahead into all the murder. And it was Serial Season 1, which I hope everyone has
0: probably listened to at this point.
2: I feel like even I, people that were not into true crime listened to this. No,
0: I'm sorry. I, needed a, I need an explanation. H- have you listened to it? I haven't actually listened to any of I oh, know okay. what it is, but I haven't listened okay. to any of it.
1: So Serial is created by the creators of This American Life. Mm-hmm. So Serial investigates the murder of Heyman Lee, who went missing in Baltimore in 1999, and her body was later found. But the podcast follows Adnan Saeed. So he was her ex-boyfriend and he was convicted of her murder. And then the podcast is trying, I don't know if it was trying to prove or trying to see like if he
2: was innocent. It's more like because of that journalist that was doing it, it's more of both sides of the story. Yes. But for other people, it's about proving his innocence.
1: Because I think the whole, the podcast started because one of Adnan's friends or like relatives and they thought he was unfairly convicted. And that's what started Sarah Koenig from searching to see what she, I guess, if she believed them, what happened with that. So then the interesting thing about the podcast is that they actually interview Anem while he's in jail. So the podcast basically goes over the trial evidence. You hear excerpts from the trial and then you hear interviews from Heyman Lee's former classmates. And now they're like, so they were teenagers when this happened, and now they're like in their 30s, and like hearing them think back into what happened is really interesting in their perspective of from when they were teenagers uh, is really interesting, and then also you get to learn about Anand, the convicted murderer. Don't know if he is.
2: Uh, what do you think, though?
1: I don't. That's the thing. I don't know. I, I
2: flip-flopped back and forth. I don't think he did it. I don't think he did it. I, you know like, what it is? It's because there was, okay, so there was two witnesses that say he didn't do it. One of the witnesses recanted her statement and one disappeared and they go to try to find her and she does not want to speak to anybody. And then there was the friend that said he borrowed Adnan's car. Jay? Yeah, Jay. The sketchy guy. Yeah. And they interviewed him like recent, not recently, but like right after like the first season aired and his interview answers were really sketch and somebody proposed something that he was with a friend and that they both know what went down and that he actually killed her. Because his answers did not make sense, like they were fucked up. Like they're basically this is, saying this, this they is should. not one this of is, my
0: conspiracy no theories. No, I know, but this is what I love about true crime. This conspiracy is what I love. Theories. I love this part. I love. I love when this is happening. I love when we're all sitting in a room and we're like, guys, like this is <laughs> <Yes>. what. <laughs> the- but the thing is, I'm I legitimately believe that
2: Jay did it. Like I was like I it's... like the
1: thing is they're like he
2: sh- a nun showed me the
1: body in a Best Buy parking lot. Like that was a big point. I'm like yeah. How is that possible?
2: Yeah, like first of all, what I mean I know they were teenagers, but they're not that stupid. Like you're not gonna be like, like he was a smart kid. Look at this body that I have in my trunk. <laughs> Oh, and I know I let you borrow the car, but now somehow I have the car back and somehow my phone is and with you. And didn't, yeah, they like,
1: gave their phone away for people to use. Yeah,
2: like, it's really fucked. It's a weird ass story, but. But
1: it's so addicting. You want to. Yeah. Listen to the whole season in,
2: like, two days. The lawyer that's been fighting for his innocence, she has her own podcast now. I don't know what it's called, she but does. she also wrote a book. We can link it below. We'll link it below. Below. We're below. 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 Well, I
1: don't know. I'm thinking of YouTube. <laughs> we'll link it somewhere. Uh, and then, so the one thing that stuck with me was like, they start the podcast. This is how, this is your way in, guys. She's like, can you remember what you did a month ago at this time? And I was like, I don't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> and like, it's valid that he wouldn't know what he was doing. And that was like the whole thing. They're like, oh, he didn't know because he was lying. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if that could be true. And then someone was, like, the counterpoint is that, when you remember if your ex-girl went missing that day? And I was like, I don't know. If you're interested in true crime and you're not sure if you're going to like it, you should try cereal. If you don't know if you like podcasts, I don't know what you're doing here. Just try cereal. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. I give cereal season one. Season two wasn't the best. I didn't like it at all. Uh, I give it eight Nisha calls out of ten Best Buy parking lots. <laughs> Wow. And that's me.
2: Nat's turn. Okay. Well, I chose an actual book rather than a podcast. I'm not
1: going to apologize because
2: (laughs) I don't read true crime. I mean, if I could actually list a podcast, it would take me freaking forever to skim through. Like, legitimately, if I looked at my podcast player, I have, like, I think, ongoing that I'm listening to, at least 15 true crime podcasts currently. That's too
0: many. Calm down. I know it's too many,
2: but it's a lot. Of good shit, good shit, and a lot of people-
0: you know what though. Sometimes too much crime in your life, right? Okay? <laughs> because then you go around and you think that maybe for a second, legitimately, Solange could be Beyonce's daughter.
2: <laughs> Listen, that is not true crime related
0: at all. But it's no, the conspiracy is tied into the true crime.
2: Is it though? Because yes. I'm more into like the
0: more obvious crime they're tied together because <laughs> you have no because you have the conspiracy crazy from the true crime you apply it to other things lady gaga didn't kill anyone listen i've had conspiracy crazes ever since i
2: took that one class on religion and they classified conspiracy theories as a religion and i was like yes
0: that's my religion I I can't wait until Nat joins Scientology oh my god I'm
2: worried don't even get me started on what Scientology has done to some of the greatest minds of this world
1: Tom Cruise I was just about to say Tom
2: I'm just kidding I don't know anything she's already she's already a
0: Scientologist now she's trying to hide it Listen, what's your fucking book?
2: Okay, so my book is a little bit odd for a true crime pick. I actually didn't go for a murder pick, which... Bullshit. Listen, it's still true crime, and it's one of my favorite true crime stories. Is it a heist? It's a bit of a heist.
0: Okay. (laughs) I love heist shit.
2: So the book is called The Man Who Loved Books Too Much by Alison Hoover, Bartlett. (laughs) She's got three names. God damn it. (laughs) Um, so basically, it's a narrative about the rare book thieving criminal John Charles Gilkey, uh, who I can only describe as a self-obsessed speck of algae because he is actually the worst. And in the story, he's basically not really stealing the rare books for profit. Essentially, he's stealing them to make himself look good and to be more pompous and to be more like I'm a learned person. He doesn't actually read the fucking books. <gasps>
0: Okay. Although, shouldn't you not read, like, really expensive books because they're old and shit?
2: Arguably, yes. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, but he doesn't, like, he doesn't appreciate them the same way someone who, it, not, not, the word is Is this fiction? It. No, this is not fiction. This is true crime. Oh. So this
0: legitimate dude walked around. Yeah,
2: this legitimate dude will books. go to, like. It sounds
0: like a story. That's why I was
2: confused. <laughs> it's like an episode no, no. of Twilight Zone. Yeah. This guy legitimately went to, so they have, like, these, like, rare book, not auctions, but they're, like, events. Where rare book dealers will come out and you basically bid on these books. It, I mean, it's kind of like an auction, but not the same way. Gilkey, the rare book thief, steals from dealers who actually barely make ends meet, even. I mean, like, most book dealers aren't really making a lot of money. It's not like the most profitable line of work. I mean, you, you know, you're talking to me. I work in publishing. <laughs> Surprise. But <laughs> I mean, so, like, rare books are worth a lot of money. They're just not worth as much as you would think. Compared <laughs> well, to old. Yeah, he's not but,
0: Thomas Crown, is what you're saying.
2: Exactly, I mean, but like he's stealing these books and he's not even selling them to anybody. He's just keeping them. <laughs> he's just keeping them. Be like, I have this book, this rare in his loft. I'm picturing his...
1: his loft apartment
2: <laughs> filled to the ceiling with <laughs> books. Loft, I gotta Actually, be a loft. Like at the one hand, like
0: I'm still jelly though. <laughs>
2: I mean, you can start stealing things. Like, it really made (laughs) me want to steal books. But then I read about what a fucking dick this guy was. And I was like, I hate him. I hate everything about him. Like, I thought he was going to be cool, but he's not. He's like the worst person. A loser book thief. So what happened? So anyway, there was a book dealer named Ken Sanders. And the author talks about Ken Sanders. And he's actually, this is my favorite. He's a book, rare book dealer, an amateur detective. Wow, which is possibly the best combination of things to be, <laughs> is it not? Li- like, I legitimately was like, is this real? <laughs> like, An amateur what? detective. Yeah, I fucking made sure by Wikipedia. I was like, is this guy no, I'm even a, a real person? <laughs>
0: I have to say, I'm very excited right now, because I think the reason that Nat picked this book is because she imagines that one day she'll also that be able solve this crime. <laughs> listen, this crime has been solved already. Uh. What if someone comes by, you know, 20 years from now, and they're stealing rare e-books? e-books. Rare e-books. Ugh. Are they going to steal gotta, the kobos gotta, that they're on? You gotta, listen, you have to adjust for the times, okay? <laughs> they're stealing rare first edition prints of Fifty Shades and twilight
2: uh, if anything the pages like, are stuck
0: together uh. if anything
2: audiobooks are doing better right now we all know that we okay so whatever those rare audiobooks yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> let's continue ken sanders knows what's up because everybody in the rare book dealing community they kind of know each other because there's not a lot of them I imagine it's four dudes <laughs> four dudes and maybe a couple. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so he basically knows Gilkey and he's like, I don't know, this guy seems super sketch. And so he starts looking into him. So I said that I was really, wouldn't really be into the book for reading about Gilkey because he's just an asswipe made of Patterson novel pages. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, good, a good Patterson insult. I love those. You've just
0: been dying to tell all day apparently. All day. All
2: day. Anyway. probably but... laughing in her car on the way over here. <laughs> She's like, Patterson. <laughs> get a joke, I have But really the reason that I would definitely recommend this book is because the author paints such a beautiful picture of these rare book shows. And so you're just reading about what's going on here, how the dealings work, and then she specifically starts naming certain rare books and you're sitting there, you're like, Holy shit, how do I get eight thousand dollars right now? How do I do this? I want these books. I want to go to a rare book dealer show or whatever Option. it is. Yeah, I want one. I, I'm like, I'm not going to spend money, but I'm going to go in a top hat and a monocle and be like, I fucking belong here. <laughs>
0: and be kicked out. <laughs> and be kicked out be gonna, like, You're going to raise your paddle. Fucking Tilly Me? and John are not going to be okay with this. <laughs> T- what? I assume the couple's name is Tilly and John and that they're 90. <laughs> Tilly and
2: John. <laughs> They probably rolled up in the Rolls Royce. Listen. butler. Ken Sanders would appreciate me. We would discuss true crime. <laughs> Amateur sleuthing. Amateur sleuthing. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty much it about the book. If I had to rate it, it's seven original asbestos copies of Fahrenheit 451 out of ten first edition Cat in the Huts. Okay.
0: Interesting. So you w- you said you wouldn't recommend it. Basically. No, I would. Oh, okay.
2: Seven out of ten is good.
0: Sorry, I wasn't sure.
2: I said you wouldn't really
0: read it for, for him. Okay, Like You know sense. how
2: when you're reading true crime, you're reading for the murderer or for like, the criminal? Excuse me,
0: sometimes I'm reading for the detective. Or the victim. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. A lot of times they're <laughs> dead in it, so it's like there's not... I mean... You don't get but, a full picture of their personality. But
2: infamously, in popular crime, criminals yes. get more attention, and I wouldn't be reading for the criminal. I'm reading for that the environment sense. of this criminal. That makes sense. And his hobby.
0: But that's my book. How about you, Christina? Uh, this became difficult only a few short days ago because before I was like, I know exactly which true crime book I'm going to pick because I've read maybe before in my life. Um, and I knew 100% which one it was going to be. And recently I also read another one. And I think I'm going to pick the newer one because I was so impressed by it. And I'd like more people to read it. And I think it would be an easier read that people would like to read a bit more The initial one I was going to pick, which is called Kitty Genovese, A True Account of a Public Murder and Its Private Consequences, is good, but about as entertaining as that title was. Like, it's very dry, and there's a lot of, like, facts in it, and the facts are repeated over and over again. So if you're interested in a book about a bystander effect, great book, totally you should check it out, but also it's, like, 400 pages, and 200 of them are the same as each other because it's just rehashing the accounts of the case and all the different people who accounted the same thing over and over again so my actual book is lady killers by tori telfer and i literally just finished reading this (laughs) it was recommended to all of us at the exact same time by a single person and i immediately was like okay done downloaded is it keely Yes. Shout out to Keely, our only listener. <laughs> <laughs> she listened to one of the episodes today. So now she'll be excited when she gets to listen to that one too. Okay. Keely! You're <laughs> famous now. <laughs> On a Canadian podcast. Yeah. Um, so Lady Killers is not a story of people killing ladies. It is about famous female serial killers that a lot of whom don't actually get a lot of attention. So that's immediately what drew, it to, drew me to it. Because I love the idea of some lady female killers. One of my favorite lines in Criminal Minds. Um, because I'm bringing it there is when they talk about female serial killers and how historically, how much more effective they are than male killers mm-hmm. because like they're better at cleaning crime scenes. They don't generally like kill people out of like the passion with which you do it is very different. They're very methodical in their murder. So they have historically really high body counts, and I was like, absolutely, like this is what I want in my life. people tell me that women are better killers than men. I mean, it makes sense. I find it aspirational for We my can future.
1: multitask. That's our skill yeah. we have. exactly.
0: Um, so it was super good, and there were a couple of really good ones. My, like, I knew immediately I was gonna love it, because the very first person is, I will still call her Elizabeth Bathery, because that is how I know her name, but actually it's, like, Ezra Bette or something like that, yeah, and then Elizabeth is the, like, Canadian, not Americanized English version, because this is from, like, the 18th century she would have been, yeah, right? but it's,
2: like, so weird how it was
0: changed... She is the um, woman who, in like the 17th or 18th century, used to murder young girls and bathe in their blood so that she could stay young forever. That is the mythos around her. In actuality, there's no proof that she bathed in anyone's blood to stay young, or she was vain in that sense. She actually just had an incredibly high body count. um, And it was all young girls. At one point, she even sets up a fake school for young girls um, tells all of her, like, rich friends, like, oh, your, your child should should come to my school for, for them to learn how to be a proper young lady. And, like, a month later, all of the kids are dead. And she's like, oh, I don't know what happened. Really? All the she, kids are dead. Oh,
2: yeah. Are dead. She reminds what? me of, um, do you guys know anything about Madame LaLaurie? Sounds familiar. Is she
0: a real person? That's the story of American Horror Story, right? Yeah, she's a real person. Oh, I didn't
2: know that. Yeah, Madame La Laurie She, uh... Is this Kathy Bates' character yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah yeah so she basically like tortured and experimented on her slaves which oh, is yeah, essentially yeah. what very
0: similar to azzerbet elizabeth elizabeth. whatever yeah whatever elizabeth listen there's a reason it was changed <laughs> actually you know what i'm gonna interrupt for a second i think that one of the reasons it could be changed is one of the core concepts of this book is the way that we talk about female murderers and female crime and passion is very different than the way we talk about male crime mm-hmm. and there always has to be a sexualized element to it so when you go and you look at People who have drawn pictures of Elizabeth and the way that they portrayed her. It's, it's always oddly sexual. She's got a very erythral grow. Yeah. She's half dressed. She's in the bathtub with a leg hanging out and her breasts covered in blood. Like, it's and very even specific. In this book,
2: they talk about her being very sexualized even yeah. before she met her husband. Yeah.
0: So I think there's a bit of it where, like, as popular culture started to bring her back, Bet is an ugly name.
2: Yep. But Elizabeth
0: is exactly what we would imagine for a high society, which, ruthless killer. Which
2: is funny because when you compare it to somebody else who's a very famous Elizabeth, it's a very stark contrast. Of Elizabeth the Virgin, queen. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that is, came out of nowhere? <laughs> no, no, no. No, like it makes sense. Like it's like almost like two sides of like, not like the same coin, but it's-, it's The way we view things. It encompasses exactly how people view women. They're either fucking sexualized and crazy mm-hmm. or they have to be like- perfection yeah. even though elizabeth the virgin queen was not yeah. <laughs> perfection either
0: yeah. but yeah so i really enjoyed this what i liked about it too is there was a i think a conscious decision and the end of the book where the author like sort of starts talking about how her approach to this book and what she decided to write it's not just about the same european and by european honestly i do generally just mean british and north american murderers yeah. so while a few of them i knew like um, Bathory, um uh, a duchess in, I forget her name now, but it was like a duchess in, maybe it was Russia, who had a, who had serfs and kind of like Laurie used to basically kill all of them if they upset mm-hmm. her in any way whatsoever. Um, and there were some American ones that were vaguely familiar, like the old lady killer, like that kind of stuff I kind yeah. of remembered. Oh, and, um, oh, I can't Giggling remember. grandma
2: still gets me. Giggling
0: grandma. And I can't <laughs> remember some of these names for a reason, but like, I think Mary Ann Cotton, something like that. Mary she Anne. killed yeah. a bunch of like super old men and stole their money. But she, the, back to what I was mentioning, the author made a conscious decision to reach out about serial killers who, you know, one of them is in Africa. Some of them were in Egypt, all of them relatively old. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because there were a bunch of people that I read about that I had never heard about before. And I really, really liked the train of, you know, we examine who the person is. You know, we examine what their murder or what the their murder MO was. And then we talk a little bit about, how did society view them? Because I thought that was really specific. Because he, despite being true crime, it wasn't super dry. The author put a lot of personality into it. It kind of read, I'll be very honest, like BuzzFeed lists, which made it very yeah. quick and easy to read. Um, which wasn't a very negative. Short. I feel like it wasn't. It was good. Point. I I learned a lot, and I, I quite liked it. But then also, the, there was a part of me near the end that I was like, these people were murderers. But sometimes I was like, oh, of course they painted her that way. Of course they did. And I was like upset on behalf of the murderer, and I had to be like, listen, just because they were men doesn't mean they all deserve to die. So it was, it was very good. The only thing I have to say after reading it is that, you know, listen, lady killers, it doesn't need to just be poison. I know that it's effective, but damn, even in this book, which I think was actively trying to say like, not all female killers need to be the exact same way, even though poison is commonly considered a, you know, a woman's weapon or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. The number of times I read in this book and they cut open his body and it was Filled with arsenic, enough to kill eight times as many men. First of all, calm down. If you don't need to use that much arsenic, (laughs) don't. Like, I know you want to get the job done, but eight times as much arsenic? Surely that costs money. They want to make sure the job's getting done.
2: I mean, really, I mean, mix up your poisons. Maybe don't use arsenic. Is arsenic the most available poison for some reason? Oh, because it's
0: rat poison. Oh, yeah so yeah. likely yes i mean one line that i really liked in the book where there were, where she was directly talking about the whole idea of women's poison and coward's poison is when she starts talking about the fact that like these women in order to effectively do what they did had to slowly poison these people over a period of time so it wouldn't be suspicious which means that like you have to watch this person every day slowly getting worse and worse and worse and dying and pretend to take care of them and pretend to be like concerned and trying to make them feel better all while giving them more arsenic to kill them further and just slowly watching them die every day, which is this blank like, yep, I'm totally fine with watching this happen. And I was like, that's awful, but so badass. Yeah. But also awful because real people did die.
2: Nerves of steel.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. So super good book. Highly recommend. I would give it an 8.5 to 9 arsenic filled Exhumed bodies that they (laughs) discovered like three years later. Out of 10, just like badass lady killers. I got nothing else. Mm -hmm. Just out of 10, badass lady killers. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. And also, before we move on to movies, I forgot to mention. Oh, there's a shout out. It's a shout out, but it's for a book I haven't read yet. And I have to shout this out because I'm so excited for this book. There's a book coming out in. February of 2018 called I'll Be Gone in the Dark and it's about the Golden State Killer. This was the biggest case that Michelle McNamara was working on before she died, which is going to be a huge book. And Patton Oswalt does do a foreword in the beginning as well. And I think it's going to be really good. She did have her dedicated site to this killer as well. She's the one that named the killer as well. So I am excited to read that one. And that's coming out soon.
0: She was uh, was pretty solid. I feel like that's going to be really good. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Movies. Steph? Uh,
1: so I picked a documentary film. Because I'm classy like that. Um, Highbrow. I mean, it's true crime. <laughs> I mean, did you guys pick documentaries? No. Nope. I did not. See? <laughs> I mean, was the obvious
2: pick. I was trying to make
1: a point. <laughs> well, okay, so I like did a quick Google search being like, true crime movies. Nothing I had seen. <laughs> literally nothing I was know when you search I true did. crime
0: stories, a lot of it is
2: fictional yeah yeah it's true I and but I was like okay that could work did, I can you, find it in. did you do the thing where you googled it and you went through all the pictures about yeah, it I was like <laughs> I don't know anything and I'm like I
0: don't know these <laughs> that's definitely not true dude that google little like carousel that's the best feature it ever is, it's, that's it's, new right like I legitimately don't want to
1: read ever I'm just like for a little bit yeah, it's been yeah. around. I mean, when I was like having to Google search constantly for essays. Yeah, no, probably it not wasn't then. around. <laughs> oh no, no. Okay, so the m- book book.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I Keeping that in up. with the phone drought, so oh, dejected. God. love it. <laughs> the movie I picked is a Bowling for Columbine, which I assume you guys have both seen. Yes. yes. <laughs> good, good call. Uh, it's a uh, 2002. American documentary film, uh, created by created, by that's right. Um, I'm like you can't create a documentary. Yes, you can. It's <laughs> up, but <yeah>. I mean,
2: <laughs> you can't create. You need the to incident. turn on the
1: camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a long day today. Listen, you gotta pay people. As I said, I had two coffees. It's just manifesting in weird ways. <laughs> Damn. Uh, cre- written, produced, and directed by Michael Moore, whom I'm sure everyone knows. About the Columbine High School Massacre that happened on April 20th, 1999. Interesting thing about this documentary is that not only does it focus on the massacre in the high school, but also takes a look at violence and guns in America. So first I was not going to pick this documentary because I thought it was a little old. 2002, like now, is like light years away. But I think this documentary, not only is it important, but it's probably more important now than it was when it came out. Yeah.
0: Excellent point, Steph. Thank you.
1: I can't. I think I watched this documentary probably in high school, probably for a class, and I just think remember thinking to myself, this would pr- never happen in like a Toronto suburban high school. <laughs> high, school. High, school. <laughs> high school, but suburban and high school. Suburban,
2: but it it would like nowadays it would. Like I mean, it's not as much shootings as it is stabbings. stabbing. Like Just like two days ago, two year seventeen-year-old boys stabbed each other and were in the hospital, and I was like. First of all, as a 7 year old I can't imagine walking around with a knife and being like, I'm going to stab some bitch today. But the thing about, like, knives is, like, you're targeting probably one person. Yeah, yeah. So These people are people going people in. That's true. And,
1: like, I can still picture, like, so in the documentary, they have footage of the two guys in the high school shooting people, and I can still picture them in the cafeteria just, like, mm-hmm. t- standing and, like, talking to each other, and you can, like, see people on the, like, on the mm-hmm. floor shot. I'm like, this... So this is the first document that I was really unsettled by. Mm-hmm. Given what America is like right now, I think this is a good movie to revisit. Because a lot of the things that they were fighting in 2002, they're still fighting right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they've made much, no. No. if any, difference. Not at all.
2: Any differences that were made were undone. Yeah with every presidency
0: <laughs> i think the clear thing from that though is how much it's gun control because like yeah it's two problems it's gun control and it's violence but violence is going to be a problem that will take
2: i mean hundreds of it's years to issues. undo gun control violence and mental health
1: all of which yes. yeah help for that is sorely lacking in yeah. america and yeah. I, mean, I can't comment because i'm not 100 percent up to date on the facts yeah. but from what i can see this is what i've noticed and like, in, I'm pretty sure in the documentary, Michael Moore goes into like tries to <clears throat> acquire a gun, and it takes literally no effort. Yeah, doesn't he yeah. walk into a Walmart? Yeah, and he goes and picks up a gun. Like he goes to all these different yeah. places and like yeah. sees, oh, can I buy a rifle? And it's no problem.
0: Yeah. And now it's getting even easier and easier to access like machine grade weaponry, Bonnery. assault rifles, yes. and things Us like Us
1: Canadians that. aren't too sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, of we're not really them guns. up to up to scratch <laughs> on our gun info. Do you, what would you rate this is a hard rating to do yeah i mean do you rate it on quality i guess quality is i think we can make the choice that if you don't want to rate it to be respectful that's a fair thing i'm
1: gonna i'm gonna do a pass okay yeah i think everyone should watch it especially mm-hmm.
0: nowadays yeah. mm-hmm.
2: if you haven't seen it before
0: no that makes sense
2: and that is
0: it which we've been
2: Oh, so my movie is a little bit, I went a little bit weird with this
0: one. Oh, I love when that decides to go a little bit weird.
2: So I was going to be she like. Nightmare
0: before Christmas.
2: <laughs> yeah, <I'm not>. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody even dies. I I it's sure. a type
0: of crime he appropriated Christmas. I guess he also
2: kidnapped Santa.
0: There you go. Boom. Crime. <laughs> anyway. And
2: that's what you can. So, use so use I was like, I,
0: I was thinking something
2: along those lines. I was like, I'm going to pick from hell. <laughs> And then I was like, "Oh, but that's Johnny Depp," so I was yeah. like, "Aw." Um. So my movie, my actual movie, is Capote. Oh, so, yeah, we went with two Oscar-winning movies here
0: so far. New, <laughs> wow, basic.
2: <laughs> listen, is it basic? I actually went with something I really feel I love because it's exactly the type of true crime I read or watch or listen to. Um. So basically, Capote, if nobody knows, is about. Capote like Truman Capote the author um during was it the 1950s yeah 1950s um and it's at the time of the murder of the Clutter family in Kansas and he was doing research for this uh crime at the time and which would eventually become the book In Cold Blood Uh, but basically this movie covers his time researching In Cold Blood and how he became close to one of the killers called Perry Smith and there's also a couple cameos by Harper Lee, the author of *To Kill a Mockingbird*, yeah. in there, which was fun for all the yeah. book nerds. But anyway, so he's doing the research for *In Cold Blood* at the time, and it's especially relevant to true crime because that whole book is true crime. Although, if people know his earlier works like *Breakfast at Tiffany's*, not so much true crime. You no? <laughs> no? No, not even not even a little. Audrey Hepburn
0: doesn't um <laughs> no. doesn't break into that *Tiffany's*. No, <laughs> uh, I really didn't understand what that movie was about then.
2: So basically the story goes into the murders of the family. And what happened was if we want to talk about the crime itself, Perry Smith and I guess somebody he met in jail named Richard Hickok. They got a tip off from a friend that he was planning a heist of some place. And he was like, they have a safe with a thousand dollars on their property, and so they break in here for a thousand dollars, which like now would probably be like ten thousand dollars or something. I don't know, it would be a lot because it was like 1953 or something like that. Oh, so
0: only almost a million,
2: <clears throat> maybe inflation
0: is know. pretty crazy, guys.
2: Okay, listen, I don't know, <laughs> that's math, math's <laughs> <Mass> hard. <laughs> Anyway, so but both him and Richard break into the farm, I guess it's in Kansas, and they start looking for the safe, cannot find the safe. The safe does not exist. Their information was wrong, their friend was a dud. So instead of, you know, I don't know, leaving, they kill the whole family. So the family yeah, is insane. <laughs> same. same you would do the same I thing. I said
0: sane. <laughs> And then you said,
2: yep, same. I was like... (laughs) I realize that now. But you
0: know what? Listen, I don't know how I'd react to that situation. I've never broken into anyone's house. I mean, I
2: believe they were masked at the time. Maybe they weren't. I don't know. But they killed the husband, the wife, and I think it was either two daughters or a daughter and a son. I can't remember. So they kill all four of them and they are pretty much like immediately arrested like they did not clean up that crime scene it was left as is they needed a woman's mind (laughs) (laughs) exactly and I mean I think they kind of were like holy shit what did we do and then they left because it was supposed to be a burglary which ended up in murder for no fucking reason like they didn't get anything out of it they got caught and then eventually Truman Capote goes to the jail to talk to Perry Smith and he and Perry Smith become very close now it's argued whether it was intimate in another way Wow. because Capote was infamously gay. Yeah. But there's no like legitimate anything behind it, but they were quite close. Capote essentially goes through this specific Clutter family crime and I love it because Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, of course, and mm-hmm. he is fantastic in that movie. So unlike what I was so used to from before. <laughs> Cuz it was I don't
0: know, he didn't really do like serious dramas before that. Did he? i don't know i don't know that i would have recognized him for mysterious drama before that based on i'm pretty sure i've seen him in comedies before yeah no exactly he's been in a lot of them
2: but anyway he did fantastically in that and it was a very very chilling movie like when he's talking to perry smith you're like this is creepy as fuck and the actor that played perry smith actually looked very similar to perry smith himself which was also equally as creepy and yeah that is my movie, and if I had to rate it, it would be nine Harper Lees out of ten Capote bow ties. <laughs> nice. So, Christina, what is your movie? Okay.
0: I opened myself up because initially I was like, I'm definitely going to do a fictionalized version of something to crime because I don't really watch a lot of documentaries. Um, and for me, it was initially super, super obvious to pick Goodfellas, and I realized I had kind of talked about Goodfellas on the podcast before, but, like, it's great. But I won't, especially because then I don't want to go super murdery. There is an important fictional movie that I think would be really worthwhile watching. And even though it's recent and it was fairly popular, I don't think enough people have seen it. And it's The Big Short. Oh, I've heard of it. Have either of you watched it? No. Um, no. No, okay. (laughs) You're (laughs) debating lions. Throwback to confessions. Wait,
2: was there a book by Michael Lewis called The Big Short? Yes, it's
0: it's based off that book. Okay. And it's with, Ryan Gosling is in it. So is... Why am I forgetting his name? Christian Bale. I was going to call him Batman. Uh, Michael Scott. Who is he? Who's Michael Scott? Oh. What's his Steve name? Steve Carell? Thank you! I don't know why I can only... In the True Crime episode, I can only remember their fake names. I'm just sitting here like, ah? Yeah. Um, they're on it. There's a couple other people, but I think those are probably the biggest, most recognizable actors. Um, And the reason I wanted to pick The Big Short is because it is somewhat of a fictionalized telling of the very real crime that happened around the economic crash in about 2008, when the Wall Street, when the Wall Street crash. And it's super important. It is, it is crime. Like, that was crime. And everybody really just blanks over that when really when they talk about it. And even the movie to a certain extent, like, I want to... I will say the movie doesn't treat it like this is some kind of true crime documentary. I mean, even the book is shelved in business. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing. And this is why I think it's so important. It's It, it was a crime. What everyone did...
1: White collar crime. Exactly.
0: Like, they mm-hmm. should not have been allowed to do what they did in bad faith. And I think this is an important one to call out for true crime. A, because I don't know whenever the fuck I would talk about the big shot otherwise. Are we going to have a fucking business episode? No. That's literally Maybe. never going to come out. Oh, let me talk about fucking, uh, what's her name? <laughs> Gabrielle Garcia Marquez. Or, no, that's a different person completely. Yeah. What is Gail Gail, Gail. Gail something. Gail The, like, Ops, princess Ops, books. Yeah. Yeah, fucking, I'm going to fucking talk about that. Listen, no. We're, we're talking business. The reason I'm picking this and the reason I liked it is because the way I think that people should talk about crimes, particularly stuff like this, which is very big and I think very difficult for the average person to wrap their head around, which I think is why so many people didn't understand Occupy Wall Street and didn't understand, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone just goes, oh, why weren't these people thrown in jail? But have really no concept of what happened. And I don't think are angry enough at what happened. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's because nobody understood. So what I really liked about this movie is it took sections out where the character looks directly at the camera and goes, "Let me explain this in words you'll understand." And they quickly go <laughs> through cool. and even then it was sometimes still pretty confusing to follow along yeah. with. A lot of it is like very economic terminology, but it put everything into a context and a frame of reference that was really easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And I really really appreciated that because I knew what happened was a bad thing, but that it was like it's so difficult to wrap your concept around these high-level economic issues. And the crime was so brazen. Like, essentially, it's like I... And this is a terrible way to explain it. I don't have the exact words for the way they explain it in the movie. But it's like if I... Crime stuff. Crime stuff, exactly. (laughs) But basically, if I made something that I was going to sell to Nat, and then I made it completely hollow, and knew that it was going to be worthless in 30 days but I sold it to you as if it was something Mm -hmm. that would last forever. But then I made a bet saying that I knew that it was going to break in 30 days and not just made the money from the sale of it to you, but also made the money from the sale that it would break. And it's all ultimately because nobody saw what was being done. And the movie sort of follows, it follows a couple of key people, Ryan Gosling, um, Michael Scott. Why can't I? Steve Steve Carell. Thank you. (laughs) Steve Carell and um christian bale and christian bale is this like savant at numbers he's essentially the first person and this is all based on real things yeah he's essentially the very first person who realizes holy shit something is going down Mm -hmm. he goes to all these numbers and everyone thinks he's insane and he moves forward and he creates these really elaborate things with banks saying that he's He's part of... But he made himself part of the betting's process. He went in there and he said, you know what? I know what they're doing. I know it's going to cause a crash. I know everything that's happening with this. So I'm going to bet against what they betted for that this is all going to happen and I'm going to come out super rich for it because I'm going to get my money when the bank goes under. And then... And did he? Yes. He made so much money. Is that wrong? Yes. That I think is really important. One thing that they sort of talk about um the only character who seems to f- fully grasp the concept of how horrifying what's going on is and the fact that like this is the worst is um steve carell's character yeah. he has these like crisis of conscious moments and he has these moments where he's like not necessarily what are we doing he knows that there's nothing left to be done you can't change it he's gonna make his money off of it but he he has he's like this is this is not a game like we treat it like it's a game because it's money and this is what we do but this is not a game were, you, were these people arrested no one was arrested. To this day? These three people were doing the least illegal thing out of everyone else. What they <sighs> wow. were doing had never been done before. Yeah. And they were c- totally within their legal recourse. They're not the bad guys of the story, ultimately. The bad guys are the Wall Street people who were initially defrauding the housing market. And those guys. Is this the Wolf of Wall Street movie comes in? <laughs> <Four> years <laughs> later. <laughs> Just prep Listen, if you watch Wolf of Wall Street first, you can absolutely 100% how Big Short happens um and it's just it's super 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 interesting i the whole time i was like again steve carell is probably the most sympathetic character to a certain extent but even then i was like but he still made he still saw all this happening nobody would believe him so he decided he would make money off of it yeah you know what i mean like that's what went down did he
1: know he wasn't gonna get in trouble
0: yeah, because everybody knew that because this wasn't something that had existed before. There were everything they were doing was completely one hundred percent legal. And when the housing market did crash, mm-hmm. they actually did in fact make so, a ton of money. How
2: did the author get into this? Did he like interview these people for reals? Do we know? I it? don't actually
0: know. That. You don't know. I don't that. know okay. too much about the book. I just know about the movie. Because
2: I find this really
0: interesting, and yeah. it kind of he must have because if. If the, a lot of these things are, like, based on true events, some of them are yeah. exaggerated. At one point they go to a strip club and that's when they understand that people who shouldn't be getting mortgages are being given mortgages. And they're about to find out that because of the kind of mortgage that they've been given yeah. in five years, a shit some people aren't going to be able to afford their homes. I don't know that that happened in a strip club, personally. In a strip club, I mean, specifically. why
2: not? I mean, it's like... It's weird because it's such a different true crime story, and I feel like it hasn't been done before.
0: It hasn't. That's why I wanted to pick it. I wanted wanted people to understand it. It
2: actually reminds me, like, for In Cold Blood, which wasn't my pick, but, like, involved in the Capote movie, but, like, the reason why it was so huge is because... There wasn't a book like that that was written about obsessive true crime uh, that went The into first de- of
0: its kind. Yeah,
2: and this is kind of like yeah. that where it's like the first of its kind, which is really interesting because I feel like white collar crimes are more relevant almost because yeah. they're
0: the ones that are ignored. Yeah, 100%. The reason everybody was able to do this is because you, you were absolutely allowed to. Some of it wasn't technically illegal, but at the end of the day, a conspiracy ultimately was committed because the people who are telling you whether a group of mortgages is safe and solid are the same people who are being paid by the bank to say the group of mortgages are safe and solid. Yeah. There are so many basic concepts that the movie I think explains really, really well, in the way that it talks directly at you and tries to explain them. I found it really interesting. It was the first time I think I didn't just feel like okay, I know this is a bad thing that happened, and I know that it was fucked up, but I don't understand it. It was the first time I was like, I understand how it happened because yeah. my whole life I was like, or not my whole life, but since it's happened, I was like, I don't understand how these people can get together. That's- and do that. Yes. Me, right now, I
1: was like, I don't know. How yeah. I so, mean,
0: like, I get it, but I like-,
1: like to. The state of buying a home yeah. in America. Don't I know it's yeah. crazy, but I don't know why.
0: So I'd like to hella recommend it. The, there's one scene that I don't particularly like Um, in the moment where they're trying to explain one on one, like, trying to get you to pay attention and understand really what's going on. Um, it's Margot Robbie in a bathtub. And the whole concept is like, because we want you to pay attention to the scene. So I'm Margot Robbie in a bathtub, and I'm going to explain to you. And that, I thought that was really like. Isn't, isn't that the Wolf of Wall Street movie? No, she's also in the Wolf of Wall Street. Both. But
2: that's I'm kidding she, me. She loves white color She movies. loves that crime. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's. I just found it the whole time. I was like, listen, not only men are gonna come watch this movie, or not only yeah. people who are attracted to men are gonna come watch this, or attracted to women are gonna come watch this movie. You should be better than this. It's really. It, I thought it was really demonizing to her, so especially because all the core players in this are men, because it is based off these real life dudes um i just i found it i was very uncomfortable with that scene i thought it was a little bit ridiculous if maybe at some point ryan gosling had fucking ripped off his shirt and started talking to me about securities fraud maybe I could have <laughs> lived with it but it didn't margot robbie was in a bathtub with the strawberry and champagne explaining to me how fucking housing bundles works and i was like you know what she could have respectably, like ryan gosling been in a suit i still would have paid attention she's still margot robbie who needs to put her in bubbles for her to suddenly become hot <laughs> bubbles it was ridiculous like I left Wolf of Wall Street and I was just angry. I left Big Short and I was like, oh my God, it's going to happen again. And when I was like a child when 2008 happened, I didn't have money to lose. I have money to lose now. Okay. I might have, it might be a couple thousand dollars in an RSP, but what's going to happen? What's going to happen in 2021 when this all goes down again? I'm thinking get my, my tax-free savings account. What's going to happen to end? <laughs> all my God, podcast guys, money. So basically. I'm shook. I'm going to recommend it. I'm going to give it, because of some problematic elements, I'm going to give it, like, a 7.25. Whoa. Bubbly fucking Margot Robbins. Out of 10 fully clothed Ryan Gosling's for the entire length of the movie. I'm going to say shirtless, (laughs) but okay. I see where you are. Okay. 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 So that's my movie. Steph. Your television show. It's my turn. It is your turn.
2: Are you ready? Do you even have a TV show? I, d- I do have a TV show. Or did show. you choose another podcast that you watched? <laughs> I didn't pick a podcast.
0: <laughs> what could you pick? If you pick a podcast for a book, which would do opposite things, <laughs> reading versus listening. Okay, an prefer- audiobook
1: is like a podcast. I'm going to go is, over it again. I, mean, I will allow
2: it.
0: <laughs> exactly. They're telling me a story
1: through words spoken in my ear. Yeah. Hole. <laughs> your ear hole. my ear hole
2: just a single ear hole
1: though so my tv show this week is drumroll please it's another documentary <laughs> it's not worth it this drumroll the jinx oh anyway did you guys both see it no no what
2: <laughs> i know what it's about now i, I got do not really care.
1: speaking of white collar crime it's not it's not technically white collar crime it's rich white guy crime that, that's basically oh so we got crime. away with it Exactly. Well, <laughs> uh, that, should I spoil this? What are your thoughts? Yeah, Do you care if I spoil knows. it? It came out in 2005. so if Everybody knows. If you're behind the times, it can't help you. So basically, The Jinx was uh, on a, doc, a miniseries on HBO, and it's from the filmmaker Aaron Jarecki, and he examines the life of Robert Durse, a suspect in a series of unsolved crimes. Which, if looking, oh, these three cops have this one guy come in. I wonder why. <laughs> Just a thought. The first one is that his wife disappeared, Kathy, in 1982. And they never found her body. In 2000, it's the execution-style killing of a writer and a friend of Durst, Susan Berman. And then the 2001 death and dismemberment of Durst's neighbor, Morse Black, in Galveston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And the miniseries, I'll say. Starts with... The murder of the neighbor, uh, I don't want to get his name wrong, Morse Black. That's how the miniseries starts with his murder. And, like, they find this dismembered body in either the lake or the ocean near this house. And the neighbor happened to be Robert Durst, who was arrested for his crime. I don't know how they shot this miniseries, but the last episode is the biggest shock, I think, in TV history. Okay, so the miniseries is beautiful. They have a lot of beautiful flashback scenes. But the thing that's interesting is that Robert Durst contests the filmmaker and lets him interview him. So he's getting a series of interviews with Robert Durst, the literally convicted murderer. He's not convicted. He's The the accused. The the
2: alleged. The the
1: alleged murderer.
2: And so
1: Robert Durst is from a very wealthy, prominent New York family. So like an untouchable white man. So he was uh, arrested for the murder of his neighbor. And like you're sitting in the courtroom and you know. You know he's guilty. Yeah. You look he at his face. And you're literally like, admits fuck him. to killing him and he gets off. Because the lawyers paint him as like, Oh, look at this like nice guy. He just like got mad one day. I don't even think they said he got mad. I can't even remember the reason. But like the lawyer spins the most beautiful alibi. They show him like he's a laughable, nice, funny guy. And isn't
2: like the big thing that there's no bodies here, right? Well, there's a body there's a of the... a dismembered body of the, the dismember oh, The dismembered, but the, some of them are missing. So right. The wife is in, missing. In
0: court, he was like, yeah, no, I did this. I'm pretty sure he admits to it. He, but he was but, like, not in guilty. a weird
2: way.
1: He, like, he's like, yeah, it was an accident. i just... He, like, killed him by accident, but then dismembered his body because he thought he would get arrested, which he did, and then he gets off, so it's like it never even happened. But it's... It, that's just for the neighbor. That's he just does, for the neighbor. And there's two other it. crimes that they think he committed. So, but they can't connect into him Because so his, his wife went missing, but they don't have no body. And, like, you, they give all this evidence of, like, saying, like, he fucking killed her. This is, this is why it's he insane. He had, like, an abusive, like, abusive relationship. She was afraid of him. She, like, written notes of talking about how afraid she was of him. But never convicted, never finds her body. Basically, that's been thrown under the rug. And then his friend is randomly murdered for some reason. I think because she knows the truth that he killed this fucking, his neighbor. And he gets... She gets shot with a shot to the head, but then you find out that he had evidence of buying a rental car, like up in upstate California, driving mm-hmm. down, killing her, and then going back and leaving. All all the while, you know he's getting interviewed by the filmmaker. Should I spoil this yep, for Yeah, Spoil her? it hundred percent. Okay, can't. the lead up's too good. Okay, so then, so at the end of the Interview. series, he's interviewing him, and then this whole time they're telling him about like hot mics. He's like, "Oh, your mic's still on." you should like let us turn this off before you like go to the washroom and you get these clips of him talking to his like assistant blah 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 and then the final scene he's talking about it, and like they have him caught because he writes a note that's similar to the killer's note i think oh the killer wrote it out so he puts an evidence there's a note that tipped off the police to the murderer of who killed susan berman and then the filmmaker takes the note puts it in front of Robert Durst, and is like, does this look familiar to you? And he's like, no, I've never seen it. He's like, it looks like the killer, the note of the murderer gave to the police to tip them off. He's like, does this look familiar to you? And he shows, like, another piece of writing. He's like, oh, it must be the same guy who wrote this note. And he's like, you wrote this note. <laughs> this is your handwriting. And he's like, oh, blah, 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 something, something. Burps. Because <laughs> he's guilty. And he's like, oh, nothing. And he literally burps. And then they, like, handshake, and that's over. And then, oh. The one of the like PAs or something is like, oh, can I wrap you up a sandwich? His mic's still on, and he's like, no, don't worry about it. He goes to the washroom. There it is. You're caught. What a disaster! He says to himself in the washroom after after the filmmakers like, but this writing's your writing. Like these are similar. You just said
2: yourself. He confirmed it. He confirmed it on a mic on On a a hot mic. (laughs) How can you be so dumb? He and,
0: chose to do the interviews. Yeah. Like, they didn't even
2: attempt to contact him. Yeah. Lady
0: killers. None of this should happen to them. None of this should and happen to them. And that actually
2: led to his arrest right after, right? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. a, did he's he arrest. He's He's like, like on trial. Oh, thank
0: God. Because I thought you were going to be oh, like. No. He looked at the interviewer in the eye and was like, not only did I kill them, I got eight more in my trunk right now. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. That would have been <laughs> insane. <laughs> he probably does have more. I mean, people. he probably killed
2: more people. And like, the thing that well, is telling to me is that
1: his brother has security to watch over him because he's <gasps> so scared of his brother and he's like i don't talk to my brother anymore like it's oh good you'll watch it in basically four hours time okay. i would rate this nine hot mics out of ten guilty burps <laughs> <laughs> ten. he literally burps <laughs> once he once he like once he the guy's like but this is your writing or like basically this is you you just proved yourself he burps guilty he's like oh must be the killer burp <laughs> <laughs> and then goes into the washroom what and is like, what a dumbass. It. What a dumbass. Like, it's crazy. Such an idiot. And you're not expecting it. And you're like, fucking hell.
2: Damn. Highly recommend.
1: Hey, yeah. Nat. Hey, Nat.
2: Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, my TV show is a little bit unusual because I don't think a lot of people have seen it. And the reason why I picked this one is because I think it's a sleeper tv show hit sort of thing it's one of those ones that people don't talk about but true crime fans really fucking love it like they'll talk about it all the time the reason why i love this one is because it does something with reenactments that no other show does it is insanely creepy. It is so good because they use real actors, not like these like one time actors that have But are they ed- good actors? They're good they're well known actors. Oh, yeah, like I'm gonna get into this, like some of these actors. Anyway, so this TV show is called Real Detective. So basically in each episode there's a reenactment of the crime and like the post crime sort of solution of the actual murder. And then the real detectives offer commentary throughout the episode, but there's an actor who plays them, obviously, in the reenactment. The performances are phenomenal, and the reenactments are super chilling. The detectives themselves are really articulate too, so they aren't like those like awkward interview detectives where they're like, "I don't know what I'm saying, I'm just gonna say." Like some a TLC stupid traumatic shit. doctor ER. Yeah, like they don't say crime stuff like I do. Oh,
0: true. <laughs> no, do they use do they use actual police <laughs> they, terminology? They use police crime
2: things. Crime. <laughs> Things and they they're very like articulate in this natural way and you're kind of like you're into their interviews and they're not like put up interview I don't know if you've seen the, there's this other show called like FBI something 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 remember <laughs> I saw pathetic. that when, I saw that when I was
0: Googling true crime jokes. yeah I
2: fucking watched that and they do this crazy intro for all the FBI agents when they come on for their interview they're like FBI agent nobody could stop this killer but this one Bob Smith and then they do like this thing where they revolve around him and they're like what is happening right now they're keeping it interesting I mean <laughs> but anyway so like it's really really natural and when they do have really strange pauses in the interviews they actually the creators of the show ride the pauses and it is a really interesting creative choice, I think, because the pauses are actually the most emotional part of the show, because those pauses are often in between them either crying Do these detectives cry? Oh, yeah. These are, like- They've seen real
0: crime, and they're they're, they're actually affected by it, not by Like, uh, like some us. of these detectives
2: <sighs> retired because of this crime that they're talking wow. about. Like, that's how heartbreaking it is. And, like, they're talking about these crimes, and you can feel, like, the emotion in that silence, and it is- not awkward at all it is fucking crazy and so like i was saying i've only ever cried this much during a show that was like the keepers the detectives are actually so good thing that really hooked me about the show was this one episode um and it stars as the criminal it's conrad coates and i don't know if you guys know he is in that episode he is obviously the killer and you know really quickly that he is But what really creeped me out about this episode is at the very end of the episode, they show him in his jail cell looking through the window bars, and he has this insane fucking deranged smile on his face the whole time. And it just, like, fades to black, and all you see are his teeth from the smile. Uh And I (sighs) die. I was like, that is fucking insane. Because they're, like, they're basing this on a real person and what he said and what he did. And, like, sure, it seems sensationalized, but it's not as much as you think. Because the way these... like these actual detectives are talking about it you believe every single you're like holy shit that is insane I can't believe you said that but the episodes are so well done each single one like every single one has something special about it that you're like holy shit and the detectives aren't like these like cookie cutter detectives are always like you know their personality like there was I think it was the first episode the detective was really like he had like a really great career he was really high on his like fucking like, I'm a, I'm a fucking murder detective. I'm better than all of you bitches. He was like one of those. And he talks about being that fucking cocky and how this crime brought him down because he didn't see his victims as real people for a long time. Like, he became desensitized to it. And it, he talks about how he saw this little girl and it fucking broke him. Like, this is the one time. And there's always that one crime that breaks its detective. And it goes into those crimes that broke these real detectives. So, that's why it's insane, it's so good, and it's really emotional. Be prepared with tissue boxes. (laughs) Because I don't cry often, but when I do, it's for a good fucking reason. I would probably rate this nine police badges out of ten actors who you sort of know, but don't know their names, but know their faces from TV. (laughs) I'm intrigued. Christina, what's your TV show? It must be a huge surprise. Maybe I'll pick a different one just
0: because of that sentence. Wow. Maybe I'll pick a different one just because of that sentence. You know what? I'm I work on the fly. I wing things. <laughs> I don't need to be confined by what we've decided. Okay. So I'd like to start off by talking about how my TV show is about the most important kind of crime happening in America today. It's American Vandal. <gasps> <That's> no. <not> <laughs> true. <laughs> I am not picking American I Vandal. I totally
2: would have picked that show
0: otherwise. <laughs> I am not picking American Vandal, but I thought that it would be it? worthwhile. It is so funny. Oh my Dicks! god, really? Did <laughs> Oh my god.
2: It is like if you like any true crime, you have to watch this show. I like, wish thing,
0: I saw
1: it. I was saying to Christine I'm like that trailer it could go one or two ways. Really, really good, or Or, heinous.
2: It is hilarious. Like, I have never been so fucking (laughs) amused in my entire life. I
0: wish it was true crime. I wish I could pick it. I wish I could be like, this is based off the true story. If we could
2: define my humor, that is
0: my humor. (laughs) Just dicks. Dicks on walls. Just dicks on walls and
2: just that kind of mockumentary style.
0: No, it's so good. But that is not... That's not it. However, it does lead into... All of my possible pick options, I'm gonna shout out, not to the individual things. I'm shouting hold on, because I'm not doing your kind of shout-out, I'm shouting out to Netflix. Because every (laughs) possible thing I was gonna pick was a Netflix thing.
2: Netflix doesn't need your shout outs! It's
0: getting it because this a the only way I'm watching these two crime documentaries is if I can watch them at my own pace. (laughs) Also (laughs) when and where I decide. Listen, I'm shouting out Netflix on
1: HBO, but I had a Netflix backup. (laughs) and it was making a murder
0: (laughs) well listen because they've like they've been pumping them out like crazy making murder and they're so good yeah Netflix knows what's up and Netflix is where I would do it because I wouldn't be able to watch stuff like this on a week to week basis I wouldn't be like I'm gonna watch this one and then wait a little no I wanna watch the whole thing when I am brave and when I'm feeling into it I wanna suddenly binge as much as I can and I don't want to wait. I can't wait. You, the conversation you were having earlier, where you were trying to be like, "Oh, this is what happened in Jinx." I was not comfortable with that. I needed to know <laughs> what happened in Jinx. And so I need. I love Netflix for providing everything I need to meet all at once.
2: Not always, like Riverdale. Fucking. That's on Netflix. That's CW. That's CW. I guess that's true. Netflix is just shout like helping make sure
0: helping make sure Canadians can watch it. So continue to shout out to Netflix. <laughs> My show, because I will not be. Pushed around by that, <laughs> I will keep my choice of Mindhunter because it is so good. It is so good. I'm also picking it because admittedly I do not watch a lot of true crime TV. My I was originally gonna pick like a fictionalized episode of Criminal Minds. That I, I mean,
2: Mindhunter is actually technically
0: fictionalized. It is, but <laughs> so, it, so it was Big Short. So it was a lot of like I. Yeah. Like I mean, I said, like the I names like... weren't even right. <laughs> But I think that's because that, I can only imagine yeah. they're going to do quite a couple of changes to make the people who are these people feel better about it. They change the names.
2: But there's they're, they're like true crimes.
0: Yes. So it's them. all it's all based off of a true event and true crimes that took place and the true ways that people either solved them it's based or on looked a into them. That's, it's based on a book. Um, non-fiction by, book yeah.
2: by Robert... Sorry, continue.
0: Okay, you're Fine. wrong. It's written by John E. Douglas and Mark Ols shaker
2: Oh, you mean the Mindhunter version. I thought you meant by the actual creator
0: of profiling. No, because the Mindhunter yeah. is based on Mindhunter inside the FBI's elite serial crime unit. Okay. Like, it's based off that book. It's not based off Never the book. <laughs> anyway, in case you didn't catch that, the show, if you have not heard about it, even though it's all anyone is talking about right now, is based off of fictionalized versions of the two dudes who created what I believe is still now called the BSU, the Behavioral Science Unit, which is the, like, serial killer hunting version of the FBI. If you watch Criminal Minds, all 13 seasons and you are still hanging on. But it is called the BAU. You will know it as the <laughs> BAU. That's where I was going. Um, for whatever reason, they were like, we'll change a single <coughs> letter to make it different. Which feels unnecessary. It did. I, but I do, I think BSU sounds weird. So I think they made the right... I think they made the right call, you know? behavior science. You know. So it's about these two dudes. Um, it starts off with how the FBI was just sort of going around and training police officers in techniques that the FBI used to catch killers and turned into them sort of understanding, hey... Serial killer crime is on the rise, like particularly in the 70s and 80s. And I think we like if you're a true crime fan, you know that because that's where all the best stories come from. Serial killers were like, oh, we can do whatever we want. We can mock the police. We can send letters. We can talk about, you know, mental health and dogs that made us do things like it was the in thing. So they start having conversations with various serial killers um, trying to analyze their behavior and understand how they can catch these people in the future. And that leads to the BSU and everything that it is. I am picking it not for its historical accuracy. I am picking it not even for the way that it deals with the crime, because I think that some of the crimes that they actually solve the way they do them are are fairly interesting, but it's not actually why I'm watching it. What I really, really love is the fictionalized versions of the interviews with the serial killers. A lot of them have lines that were taken directly from actual interviews that these serial killers did. So I personally, I found the first episode not particularly very good, and the second episode I was sort of hanging on. I'd just like to say, we watched, we
1: started watching watch mine. Hunter together, and she blew past me, and I'm still an episode.
0: I one. did, I did because I, I, we'll I didn't start. think I would. Well, I watched that first episode, and I was like, I need to watch this. Video you definitely have to. This is not. Yeah, I watched it within
2: two days. And it was. It's kinda... so slow though. It is, it, and the thing is, ramp- that's why I watched it all together because I was yeah. like, the first episode slow, and I the whole time I thought he was gonna be like a psychopath or something. I mean, we don't know if that's, that's
0: a... still not gonna happen. Yeah, that's very true. Dexter, <laughs> um, shock. Yeah. And no, when I originally watched it, myself, I had one where I was like, do you want to just like always watch this together? Because I felt like I was gonna have to enjoy the show with other people, because the first episode wasn't very good, but the second set episode had hooked me because the interviews with the serial killer started. Mm-hmm. And then I think I hit the fourth episode and I was like, nah, I just gotta keep going though. Yeah. um, yeah. And I did. I just, I was like, bye Steph, let me know when you're caught up. Um, <laughs> not yet, not yet. Because those hasn't even been a week. <laughs> because those interviews with the killers are just so good and so on point and so well done. As
1: soon as you see the first...
0: Interview with a serial killer? Ed Kemper. You're gonna Ed be Kemper, yeah. hooked in there. Yeah, no, it was, and they picked the perfect guy for that. He looks yeah. like him, his, like, whole acting vibe. Was oh. always, I It's one of those ones where some stuff happens, and I immediately start looking up, was this what actually legitimately happened? Because I don't know what's fictionalized and what isn't, and I want to know how creepy Ed Kemper was legitimately yeah. and it's, with that guy. It's not
2: even, like, the speeches. It's sometimes what they do in the interview. Like, for example, when he brings his partner in, and... He, He's writing down everything Ed Kemper says, and he's like, Wait, hold on. And he holds up his finger, and Ed Kemper just gives him a look. Yeah, and you're like, Oh, that is so fucking good. That is
0: a good detail that nobody needed to point out, but it was there. Yeah. No, the subtle ways they do that stuff, really good. And I have to say this about the show, because bringing this back to us being a pop culture entertainment podcast, as we recently decided, (laughs) and talking about like the quality of the shows and that kind of stuff, I like Jonathan Groff. I have never in my life previously considered him to be a bad actor or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That first episode, I found it difficult to watch him. But as time got on, I think I, I eventually got there. I don't... You're not supposed to like him. That, I think, is what should be clear. At a certain yeah. point, there's things that he's right about, but he's clearly on a journey of douchery that will need to bite him in the ass. Like, he's, he's clearly got a journey. And I think what threw me off is in the first episode, I mean, I know this is based off a real dude who did really important things, and they spin it at first. I felt like you were supposed to like him because a, he's Jonathan Groff. who's a very likable person. Actually, but the dude it's
2: actually based on is based on his partner. So the main guy that actually created profiling was his partner.
0: Yes. No, I know that. Yeah. And I uh, mean, I, I don't think that he gets all of the credit even in the show. I yeah. think one thing that the show is very clear about is that this guy thinks that he gets yeah, he should get all the exactly. credit. But his partner is like, excuse me, I was doing road school before you even got here. And that's yeah. the basis of what we're doing. So, I think that there's the guy, his partner is great. Fucking Tench, so good. So good. Great actor, really interesting. He's my favorite character, and he's clearly the likable one. And I think that's what it is. I think if you can get past the idea that, listen, you're not supposed to like John Groff, you're gonna have moments where you like things about him, and you're gonna have moments where you don't like things about him, it's good. But if you think you're supposed to like him, as I assumed, because he's the main character, you will be sorely disappointed. Because, man, that first episode is proof.
2: It's tough. Um, maybe I, I have to say, one of my biggest annoyances with the show is that Tench does take a backseat at some point where he's not speaking a lot.
0: No, he does. And I had moments where I feel like, so these are bit spoilers if you've seen season one, if you're going to plan on it. It feels like Tench is slowly planning to leave. Like he doesn't want to be going around and doing this. Yeah. And I don't know if that's part of the fictionalization they're telling. I don't know if that's part of a real story that was legitimately happening where maybe the guy... Because he did have a family, didn't want to be as involved as this was. They definitely made this the story of the young single guy versus the older family man. Which is
2: annoying because his kid looks like a fucking serial killer. (laughs) That's what they were trying to like. like... He looks like the omen Mm -hmm. kid.
0: (laughs) I oh, like, I do? assume that his child has autism, but it's the 1980s, yeah, well, yeah. so nobody knows what that is. Yeah,
2: like, he seems like he's autistic, but, like, when they first show him on the lawn, and oh he's yeah, looking out, I'm like, well, this kid's from The Omen, so. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, but that's a future serial killer <laughs> in the making right there.
0: Yeah. But it was, um, it was, it's a super good show, really solid the way it's done. Again, you hit a certain point, you just gotta keep going through. You get super creeped out. I
1: don't like it. look past but. jonathan groff's unsettling personality yes.
2: yeah it's very unsettling and you're not warned it about it either because you go in and you're like oh he's probably normal and you're like no he is not. Yeah. I mean, maybe
1: the thing is like his job he picked to work in the fbi and like he's ended up teaching what was his, sorry what? Negotiations. Oh, negotiation. negotiations negotiate i'm like what a normal person like what a someone who's like likable be doing that you would think so but maybe not
2: Well, that's the thing. You're supposed to be able to negotiate with a criminal who is potentially off his rock. Maybe
1: they need to be the best actors ever. So, like, he's creepy, but then he needs to turn it on
0: when he's... Well, I think he, in later episodes, yes. Okay, so maybe... Yeah, Yeah. And that's where I started understanding and I started really flying through when they start talking about how... And I think this is really interesting as someone who thinks that this whole investigation part is interesting and as someone who watches a lot of criminal minds. When they start talking about how you have to act to talk to these people, Mm -hmm. the things you have to say that you don't believe and the, the perception other people will have because you're having that conversation, I think that was really interesting. And I think that there's things that they were bringing up then that people still feel today. I think the average person, if you told them, oh, well, in order to understand why the serial killer did this, we empathize with him. And we were like, oh, yeah, no, we also think, you know, you're normal. That little girl did look really old, you know, like that kind of stuff. I think most people are going to be really unsettled that you had to do that and think that there's something wrong with you for having to do that as well. Yeah, yeah.
2: that fucking interview. Not, not to, like, include all the spoilers here, but, yeah. like, that interview about the little girl, I was bothered out of my yeah, fucking mind. Yeah, so much.
0: And this is when I was like, but okay, Jonathan Groff is a good yeah, actor. But it
2: was so clever.
1: Yeah, so very fucking well clever. Done. And, like, isn't, like, the best parts of the show when they're interrogating the person? Yeah, and, like, 100%. that's such... It's, like, you notice that so much compared to, like, when he's talking to him, like, regularly one-on-one, because he's such a weird
0: guy. I don't care a lot about his personal life. Like, I like his girlfriend, but I don't care about the relationship.
2: That must be, um, it's intentional. They're making him
0: weird intentionally.
2: Yeah. And it's annoying, because it's almost like, like, you don't need to make him weird. He can be fucking normal and still be into this.
0: But that's my TV show. It's Mindhunters. I am going to recommend it if you're into it. And I will give it eight deviant words, like cunnilingus. Out of ten creepy tickling principles. Yes, (laughs) creepy tickling principles. So creepy. I hope you watch it. I hope you enjoy it. Taken aback by this rating. I'm (laughs) I'm unsettled. (laughs) You should be. Um, and
2: that was us. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening. Follow us on the social meds. Eat's (laughs) cast. Yeah, on Instagram and and Twitter.
0: Let us know what you think. What are some of your favorite true crime books, movies, television shows? Something we can actually
2: Oh, let us know favorite crime. <laughs> just either white or. collar, blue collar. I mean, what do you like? You like a little espionage? I
0: don't. I don't want to judge. Heist, maybe. Heist? Yeah. I mean, listen, a good heist. Yes. yes. Perfect. Perfect
2: movie. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye.
0: Bye. Music credit goes to artist Bell for the song Wallflower and Jazzhar for the song Please Listen Carefully. Today. <laughs> it's because I paused. I was like, what's my name? Right. It's fine. It's fine. We okay, we're professional people. We have record- recorded 10 hours of audio. <laughs> 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 you know what? He and the streetcarter were both like, what if not introduced the podcast? I'm already regretting this. There <laughs> 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 you go.